Amen. We can't complain about the darkness, can we? If we are not carrying the light to those areas where it's the darkest most. You know, darkness only exists in the absence of light. And we look at our world and we complain about how dark our world is getting. And we get on Facebook and, buddy, we can rip it a good one, can't we? And talk about how bad it is. But the truth of the matter is the darkness is only here because we aren't carrying the light. Doing our job. Just a moment ago, we were back there getting ready to come out for the choir line. And uh, the signal that it's time to come out is the lights begin to flicker. Uh, we tried waving and we tried hand signals and head nods. And it just didn't work very well. And so Brother Zach starts flipping the light switch. And as soon as he turns the lights off back there, uh, it's amazing. All of a sudden, darkness immediately rushes in. Why? The light is gone. And as soon as he turns that light back on, the darkness has to flee. It makes you wonder what this world would be like if God's people just carried the light. And that's what our missions conference is all about this year. Our theme at our church this year is being ready. Uh, a ready people prepared for the Lord. I believe Jesus is coming back. And I believe he wants the world ready for him, right? He wanted that when he came the first time. And he wants it when he comes the second time. That we be ready. But there's a lot of people that are not ready. And boy, what a blessing it is to know that I'm ready and heaven's my home. If he comes back today, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. There's a lot of people that are not ready, and that's why we're still here. What an important task we have. I don't know what they're talking about in Washington tonight, but I'm sure it's important stuff, right? I hope. But I know what we're doing here tonight is more important. Why? Because it's eternal. And I pray tonight we leave here with a burden to carry the light. What a wonderful song. Don't believe I've heard that. And it's okay. if it's okay with you, that's my favorite singers, okay? I hate to say I'm partial, but they're my favorite tonight. It is good to see you here. Glad to have a lot of our people tuning in on live stream. I know it's tough. Uh, I think this is the fifth night in a row that we've been here for one reason or another. A lot of our people had to go to work today. Amen. I'm thankful for people that go to work to keep America going. And uh, the missionaries appreciate that too because somebody's got to send the dollars that keep them on the field. So I know a lot of our people are watching tonight by live stream. Thank you for tuning in for that. And I do want to acknowledge a few guests. Before we get into introducing our speaker tonight, I looked over, we have the bakers uh, from Louisiana with us tonight. Not the bakers we know, not our bakers, but their bakers, okay? Uh, glad to have Brother Winfrey Baker and his dear wife with us tonight. Longtime pastor, longtime friend, and thankful for his faithfulness to the years in ministry. Glad to have them with us. And then Brother Mike Powell here, Pastor Mike Powell, uh, went to college with me. And uh, no, he does not have any dirt on me because there is none, okay? Uh, I, and he, I have no dirt on him. We were the only godly people there at college. Uh, and so there is no dirt. No, there, there is some dirt, but we signed a pact that we would not tell each other. And then a good friend of ours with the Hilbans here tonight, missionary to Honduras, uh, also went to college with him as well. And uh, what happens in college stays in college. And so don't ask. We will not tell you. Glad to have you folks visiting with us tonight. Thank you for being here uh, for that. Before we introduce our speaker, a couple more things I want to give you. I want to remind our young people, who brought your passports tonight? And hold them up so I can see them. You brought your passports. Are you getting around, getting them stamped? Be sure to get by the tables, get your missionary to stamp the passports, get to meet them. I was telling Brother Mike earlier, I want our kids to look up to our missionaries as heroes. I'd rather them have a picture of a missionary and a prayer card of a missionary on the wall of their bedroom than a basketball player or a football player. That's who I want them to look up to. And I hope you, you guys get around, spend some time with them, talk to them, maybe learn some words in the language of their country. How exciting that would be. All right, we have some housekeeping to do. And, man, I hate bringing competition into the church uh, because, man, spirits get bitter. I mean, I know we're Baptist and we always walk with God. But there's a time every once in a while in competition where the flesh gets riled up. And yesterday, boy, did we have a wonderful time at our international dinner. Uh, for those of you who cooked and labored and slaved to get all of that in there, we had 
more food than I think we've ever had before. Hundreds and hundreds of people enjoyed the finest cuisine in Hattiesburg last night. You could not find a wider array of cuisine than we had here last night, from Italy to France, uh, all the way to the Cajun bayous and crawfish bisque. We had a wonderful time, but we have to give away our golden idol uh, tonight. Uh, I told you yesterday we wouldn't be good Baptists if we didn't have an idol uh, every once in a while, right? And so we, we have our first annual Go Reach the World Cup. This was for the Sunday school class uh, that won out, and we had all of our missionaries judging. All right, I probably shouldn't have said that, Brother Barnes, because now your offerings are going to be smaller because of the losing team. Uh, losing teams, because only one can win, okay? This is America. Everybody doesn't get a trophy, all right? We have no participation trophies here. And so there was only one winner, but it was close. The winner, Sunday school class, won by three points. First place was 30 points. Second place was 27 points. Third place was 25 points. Uh, but the first annual Go Reach the World Cup, whose name will be in etched uh, in brass on the side of here, is going to go to the nation of Germany. Brother Breland's class. Uh, where is Brother Breland? Brother Breland, are you in here? He's in the back. If he's listening to me talk, let him come on in here. We're going to present him with uh, this trophy. Uh, he's not wearing his leader hosen tonight, and so that's somewhat disappointing. Uh, Brother Breland, you come on in. Brother AJ, would you present this to him? As you got by the Germany, uh, the Germany booth that they had there last night, they had homegrown, homemade sauerkraut and uh, as far as kraut goes, it was pretty good. Let's give them a hand. Brother Breland's class did a tremendous job. <laughs> Second place. Second place, Brother Jack, your class was three points behind. They had the Old America Cracker Barrel style meal. And in third place, in uh, 25 points, was France, Cajun, and Greece, okay? Three different nations tied for third. I promise you my class will come back with a vengeance next year. There's nothing like being motivated, not by just wanting to do it all to the glory of God, but to beat the other team. And so next year, look, you were thinking it. All right, you're thinking, let's just have a better booth next year. No, I just want to beat the other team, okay? I don't, I don't like losing because I'm an American, not an Americant, and I want to win, amen? And so next year, my class, we're going to up our game. Uh, we're going to hire some Cajun people down there, uh, get an accordion guy to play, uh, just sing some old Zydeco, whatever that is, music, okay? All right, uh, it's time to introduce our speaker tonight. A couple of years ago, we altered our format a little bit. And uh, we've had keynote speakers every year, and uh, what a blessing it's been several years, uh, the last few, having Dr. Sis come in. And we had a, a change of schedule one year to where he could not make it, uh, and we allowed our missionaries to preach. And what a blessing it was for our people to get to hear from the missionaries, not just in a presentation, but get to hear their burden about where God's called them to go. And so we kind of adopted that last year is our new format where you can hear from the missionaries personally and excited tonight to have the Clavons uh, representing South Korea. And in a moment, Brother AJ is going to introduce him. He's going to tell you a little about the country and the presentation, and he's going to preach for us tonight. And looking forward to God working in our heart. Look, God knew you were going to be here. God knew you were going to be here. I know some of you had a long day today at work. I've looked at a few of you. Your eyes are already bloodshot. You're tired. That's why we have the coffee shop open, so we can get some caffeine in you uh, to get you woke up a little bit. The coffee shop will be open afterward as well. That way you can stay awake on your way home. I know you had a long day today, but God's got something for us tonight. And I promise you, if you'll open your heart, open your mind, God's going to speak to you. And God's going to give you a burden. Here's what I pray. I pray that this year we support even more missionaries than we ever have before. He said, well, the economy's tough. I know that. You know what? You know who knows that even more than I do? 
God does. And you look at how many times in Scripture when times were tough, when days were lean, there was the famine, as Brother Barnes preached on yesterday morning, famine, how God always blessed and God always multiplied. Why? Because it was in the times where they couldn't, where God showed up the most. And I know it's going to be tough this year to give more than we ever have before, eggs, whatever they are now, five, seven dollars a dozen, but that's where we're going to trust God. And what a wonderful exercise of faith giving to missions is. So I want to encourage you, open your heart tonight. Brother AJ, come introduce our speaker, and uh, then we'll turn the service over to him. Is anybody else uh, recovering from the food coma from last night? I think we're going to make a motion next year to do international banquets. There'll be Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I see some of the workers are not happy about that, so we may, we may have to back up and punt on that. But uh, I'm so thankful to see you here tonight. Oftentimes, I was always, I've always been told that Missions Conference is the least attended conference of a church. But on a Monday night, after having been here several nights in a row, as Brother Jeremiah mentioned, it's so good to see so many people here eager to hear from the real superstars uh, and heroes of the faith. A lot of times we look up to LeBron or Michael Jordan, but, but I consider the missionaries to be the true heroes and those who are willing to go to a foreign land and forsake the creature comforts of what we enjoy here in the United States. So I'm excited tonight to be able to introduce uh, Brother Ricky Kavan and his family. Um, I've had an opportunity to talk with him quite a bit uh, since he's been here. We're going to watch a video of his here in a minute, and then he'll come preach to us. But I don't want to give too much away, but I'm, I'm excited in the sense that he, uh, he is out of a church in Starkville, Mississippi. So even though he wasn't born here, he is somewhat local in the sense that he's only about three and a half hours up the road in the church that he's been serving in. So uh, young people, keep that in mind tonight as, as you think about uh, as he preaches. And maybe the Lord stirs you to do something more for him. And there may be someone out there who's a little bit older than the younger person tonight. And the Lord can call you and he can use you tonight as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to hear uh, the presentation. And then after that, we'll hear from Brother Clavon. the good news. We are the Clavon family, Richard, Michelle, Laura, and Grace. We are church planning missionaries sent from Shining Light Baptist Church in Starkville, Mississippi, and are partnering with Baptist International Missions to reach lost souls in South Korea. South Korea is an anomaly within Asia because of their embracing of Western religion in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Today, about 29% of the approximately 52 million South Korean citizens adhere to one form or another of Western religion, whereas only 9% claim to be Buddhist. South Korea also houses the largest Pentecostal church in the world with 480,000 members. Perhaps most striking is that over half of the Korean population claims no religious affiliation at all. There is an urgent need to bring the light of the gospel to this predominantly secular society. This is what we plan to do as we follow the Lord's leading in our lives. The Lord has actively prepared us both through Bible college and serving in our sending church. I'm Pastor John Harvey of the Shining Light Baptist Church. It's been my privilege for the last five years to work alongside Richard and Michelle Clavon. Both Richard and Michelle have shown a great desire to serve God and to serve people. 
They are faithful soul winners and genuinely care for the church. It's my pleasure to recommend the Clavons as missionaries to South Korea. I ask that you prayerfully support the Clavon family. Thank you and God bless you. We plan to make soul winning and discipleship a priority as we start this church plant in South Korea. We're asking the Lord to use my nursing degree to open the doors to allow us to bring these people to Jesus. Our first term on the field, we plan to focus on learning the Korean language and understanding the culture as we work with veteran missionaries. We are excited to see what the Lord is going to do through us as we follow him by faith to South Korea. Would you pray for and with us as we go? Would you partner with us financially as we follow the Lord's leading to bring souls from darkness into his marvelous light? Would you ask the Lord how he might use you in South Korea? Amen. Let's welcome Brother Clavon to the pulpit here at Central. And while he's coming, could I get our other missionaries to stand tonight that we're going to be hosting this week? Brother Barnes and Mrs. Barnes, would you please stand? And Brother and Mrs. Byers, let's welcome them again to our church as well. Well, Pastor just thanked me for being here, but I'm going to thank you all for letting us come. Um, I know especially for him, it can be a little nerve-wracking sometimes giving up your pulpit because you never know what somebody might say. So I'm hoping not to be the person that forces him to go back to a keynote speaker every year. We're going to try to avoid that. I don't want to be that guy. But um, we've been in a lot of churches that do it that way, and I'm fine with that. I enjoy hearing preaching as much as you guys do. But it is fun for me to be up here as well. Um, although it is rather nerve-wracking, I will admit. Um, every time we preach, it does get, I guess, I guess I could say a little bit easier, but it is still, um, an overwhelming weight on me to be able to open up the word of God and be true to what he has given us. I don't ever, you know, I'm always nervous that I might say something that somebody might misconstrue or misunderstand and then confuse somebody about what the Bible says. I don't ever want to do that. But um, just some points um, on the video, specifically with some of the stats that we gave with um, religious adherence and what people believe. Uh, from what I understand, some of those stats may not be entirely accurate. It's what we found when we made the video. But after going there, um, we've had some, some of the missionaries that are there said, uh, some of those numbers might not be quite right. I've heard... Um, a number as high as 70% are Buddhist. In our video, we said 9%. So, you know, it's somewhere in there, 9 to 70. Um, <laughs> we don't have an exact number, but um, Buddhism is very large there. Um, atheism, as you heard uh, in the video, we, found, we saw was over half. And a lot of that is due to just a plurality of choices when it comes to religion. Uh, South Korea is kind of like the U.S. in that they essentially have religious freedom. There isn't much of a persecution toward one group or another. Now, there are some groups that are a little more timid than others. Um, the Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, got themselves a very bad name. <laughs> they would go door to door, kind of like we would here in the States, and people got annoyed at them. And so they got back that people were getting upset. So now when you go to Korea, if you walk behind, if you walk by a place where the Jehovah's Witnesses are set up, they kind of have a display that looks like ours. 
and they have all their literature up there, and you walk by and they just stand there, and they look terrified because they're afraid, because they're afraid of the bad reputation that they have, and they've, they've offended enough people that people said, we don't want anything to do with you anymore. Um, but they have, they have all the same cults we have and more. Um, they have a lot of Korean-specific cults, actually, believe it or not. There are a lot of people there that have essentially started their own religion following themselves. And so that's something we're going to have to battle specifically when we get there. And also um, the prevalence of Buddhism, uh, Mormonism, just the uh, standards that you would think of when you go to another country. But um, we're going to go to Matthew 14 tonight, Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 22. And I want to talk for a little bit tonight. We're going to preach on the idea of walking on water, but doing the impossible. Doing the impossible. It says, in straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to go into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him coming in the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered, and answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you, and we come before you now, and we just want to give you the thanks for the ability to have a country where we can meet even on a Monday night. And we have the ability to come and worship you freely. Thank you for even hearing our prayers when we make them. We pray that you will help us as we look at your word to properly, to rightly divide the word of truth and to properly convey what you would have for us tonight. We pray that you will help me as I preach in your name. Amen. So often as a missionary or even as anybody in ministry like these men up here, you, as you talk to people, they'll say, I can't do something for God. And everybody's got some kind of excuse or, in, or for anything. Hey, I can't do math or I can't do history or I can't do this subject or I can't accomplish this and I can't accomplish that. And we've all got excuses. But a lot of times, you know, for a missionary specifically, they'll say, well, I can't learn the language. Hey, let's be honest, language is going to be difficult, but God can help us. Or, hey, I can't, I can't 
go to that culture and eat that food. Has anybody here ever had Korean food? Yeah, there's a few of you. Does anybody here like kimchi? No, I heard a no. Lucky for me, I love kimchi. So I'm, I'm already ahead of the game. Sauerkraut last night was great. I'm a fan of all things cabbage. Kimchi is one of those things, praise the Lord. But for some people, food is an issue. Hey, they don't want to go to another country. They don't want to have to encounter that food culture. Hey, it's difficult for some people. Hey, there are some things in Korea that I'm a little nervous about eating, like live octopus. Yes, it does squirm when you pick it up. Yeah, I'm going to have to learn how to eat that, possibly. <laughs> Hopefully not too often. But for some people, that could be a huge issue. They, they look at that and say, there's no way I'm going there. Or I don't want to go to Africa. They eat rice and beans with every meal. I don't want that. Same thing in South America. Well, I need, I need more of a... I need more of a rounded diet than just that. And people can throw out all sorts of excuses. I've heard so many pastors look at me and tell me, you know, I'm an introvert. And you hear him preach and you think there's no way. Have you heard yourself talk? <laughs> and they're very outgoing. Why? Because the Lord enables and the Lord helps them. Sometimes it can feel like we're being asked to walk on water. And we've all had those moments. <laughs> Maybe it's a big moment in a, in a ball game. Hey, <laughs> you know, there's, there's 12 seconds left and coach says you're in. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? <laughs> well, hopefully score, right? But, hey, there's no way I can do that. I'm not the star player. How am I supposed to accomplish this? And things could be overwhelming. And ministry isn't always easy, and I know these guys can attest to that. Ministry is not always easy. Hey, as somebody who's been to Korea for a whole three weeks, I'm in no way an expert. But I will tell you that God can help me. And there are other missionaries in the room, and they'll tell you the same thing. You know? I don't, I don't think it was easy enough for the Barnes to go directly to Guam, and he gave some of his reservations Yesterday, he said, hey, you know, there were things that we were worried about going. But you know what? God overcame all that. And I'm sure the buyers have some things that they're a little worried about heading to Germany. But you know what? God's going to work it out. Hey, there's some things that we look at from this side and we think that's impossible. There is no way I can accomplish that. Don't worry, you can't. But we have a God that can. That's the best part. Hey, it's not about us to go and do the impossible. It's about allowing God to do the impossible through us. So tonight we're going to talk about achieving the impossible. And I want you to think on Mark 9.23 for just a moment where God tells us that all things are possible. Hey, with man this is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. God can do whatever he chooses. Because he made it all. He, if he created this earth, in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created, then God can do anything else he wants. Because God made it to begin with. But also we can think about, back to one of 
the first miracles in the Bible, other than Genesis 1-1 and Genesis chapter 18, where God promises Abraham a son by the name of Isaac. Does anybody remember what Sarah does? She goes and hides in her tent and she laughs. She says, there's no way. I'm too old. And what does is, what is, what is the angel tell her? Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Hey, as we go and we set out for South Korea in the next few years, there's going to be things that are going to be difficult. But we know God plus us always makes the majority. Hey, God can do it even if I can't. It's not about me. It's like Brother Brian said yesterday. Again, it's not about us. It's about what God can do. Because if it was all about me, nothing would ever be accomplished. But because it's all about God doing it in spite of me and through me, something good can, can happen. First, we're going to look at a dangerous detour. A dangerous detour. Go with me back to... Back to verse number 22. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Hey, Jesus, Jesus was going off one direction. He says, hey, let me send the multitudes away. You guys go across. You guys go across the sea. Hey, these are fishermen. They've crossed the Sea of Galilee plenty of times. They didn't know a storm was coming, but Jesus did. Hey, Jesus already knew the storm was on the way. But this for them was a dangerous detour. They were nervous in the middle of it. We see that, see that Jesus sent them across the sea. They, they weren't with him in the middle of ministry right then. They were just trying to go through life. And suddenly a storm came up out of nowhere, and they were stuck in the middle of it. What do we do? Jesus isn't even here physically. He's all sending the multitudes away. Hey, he went up into that mountain. He's going to go pray. He's not with us. Hey, this detour doesn't look fun. But then we see that sometimes all we have to do is trust the process. God always has a plan. Abraham and Sarah, go back to them. Hey, God had a plan. He promised them years before there will be a child given. But instead of trusting God initially, they tried to circumvent their own way, right? Sarah said, I know. Hey, here's Hagar. You can have a son through her. What happens? Hey, Hagar has the baby. Sarah gets jealous and kicks her out. Well, that didn't work. Why? Because they weren't trusting what God had done. Hey, God had made a promise God was going to keep it. We can think of Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Hey, if we're following the purpose of God in our lives, if we're following the will of God in our lives, if we're seeking to love God with all we are and with all that we have, things will work out in the end. Sure, there may be dangerous detours, Sure, there may be storms, there may be issues along the way, but God will work, it, will work us through it. And God will move it 
so that we can get to where we need to go, and he will make it work out in the end. Hey, sometimes it's hard in the middle of it. We're doing deputation with two small kids. Hey, there's hard moments in the middle of it, but we know God will get us through it and get us to South Korea. But then we also, we also can think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I can go, I can go to South Korea just because I want to. But if it's not God directing my paths, if it's not God sending me there, if it's not me trusting on him, there's, there's nothing for me to do there. Hey, if I'm following him, he'll work it out. But now that we've seen the dangerous detour, let's look at the doubting disciple. The doubting disciple. We're going to go down to verse, verse 28. Jesus comes out to them, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he, Jesus, said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Hey, Jesus shows up, walks on the water toward them, Disciples got a little nervous. They said, what's going on? There's this ghost out here. We're in the middle of the storm. Something's coming at us. We don't know what it is. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. It's just me. Well, Peter, always the first to pipe up. Well, Lord, if it's really you, ask me to come to you on the water. Has anybody ever thought, what if that wasn't Jesus? Hey, sure, come on out. Peter takes one step and he's, the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. Hey, Jesus wasn't sure. Or Peter wasn't sure if it was Jesus. But he was willing to trust Jesus in that moment. So Jesus says, come in verse 29. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter had already walked on water at this point. Okay, it says he walked on the water and goes, he's going to Jesus. He's walking toward him. I'm not going to step off the stage, I promise. But he walks toward him. And then he gets sidetracked. But then, after he had already done the impossible, after Jesus had already worked a miracle in his life, at that point is when he gets scared. It's at that point that he doubts. After God has already accomplished something, then he gets scared. It says, and when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Peter had already done it. God had already accomplished something. But in the moment, suddenly, Peter had doubts. Is this really happening? Am I really walking on water? Is this, this is impossible. How is this happening? I can't do this on my own. Well, he forgot it wasn't him, it was Jesus. It says when he got sidetracked, when he saw the wind, and when he saw the storm going on around him, he got nervous. It says he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. 
Why? He started lacking faith. He started to doubt. So Jesus, in verse 31, it says, Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Okay, we had a dangerous detour. We've got a doubting disciple, but something we need to remember in the moments when we're doubting, that we need to look to Jesus. Think of Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who... For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it sat down on the right hand of God. Hey, Jesus had already done the impossible before he ever called me. Hey, Jesus had already died. Even more than that, Jesus rose again three days later. He did the impossible. He conquered death. What's harder than that? What can he not do? If he's going to call me to Korea, he's going to have to do it. But I know I can trust him. I don't have to doubt in the moment. You know, a common, a common theme that I heard or a phrase that I heard in college often was, don't doubt in the night what God has shown you in the light. Hey, if he's already accomplished something before, he can do it again. Think of the Old Testament over and over and over and over and over again. God has to remind them. When the Israelites, when the children of Israel get sidetracked, God reminds them, hey, I am the word thy God that brought thee out of the land of Egypt. He says, you forget what's happened in the past. I'll do it again. I am the word thy God that brought thee out of the land of Egypt. I've already conquered the world's superpower. There's nobody else to fear. And then fast forward, think of when even 40 years later, they're going into Jericho. And what does Rahab tell the spies? We already know what God has done. We already know that God is going to deliver us. Rahab had more faith than the 10 previous spies that had died in the wilderness. And all those other people that were 40 years and up had already passed away. Rahab had more faith. The people of Jericho had more faith in God than they did. Hey, we are afraid because we know who your God is. Looking unto Jesus. Hey, not only the author, but the finisher. Hey, sometimes we're going to stumble like Peter did. Sometimes we get off base. Sometimes we get distracted by things going on. The storm gets too much. We start to get scared. We tend to doubt. Our faith begins to drop a bit. However... Hey, what he started in us, he will end. He will do it for us. If he's, if he's given us the faith to believe in him, then he's going to give us the ability to go to heaven. Hey, he's the author and finisher. Hey, he rose again, he'll take us to heaven. But then we can look at a deity's devotion. So we saw the dangerous detour, the doubting disciple, and the deity's devotion. I know I'm weird. I tend to alliterate because I think it helps people remember it a little bit more. But let's think, let's think to the book of Hebrews again. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. If you want to turn there, I'll give you a moment. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. There's something really interesting that the writer of Hebrews puts in here. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, What's your conversation 
be without covetousness, and be content, be content with such things as ye have. Now, here's the part that's in, that I want to point out here, that I want to emphasize. It says, for he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Sometimes we feel abandoned. I think we can all agree that at points we wonder where God went. He's already given us a promise. He's not going to go anywhere. Even when he doesn't feel or seem close, he's always there. Hey, the disciples were sent away. They were in the ship. Jesus wasn't physically with them yet. They were nervous. There's a, there's a huge storm. They don't know if they're going to make it out. Sure, they're fishermen, but they're scared, just as any of us would be. But what happens? Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. Hey, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Jesus showed up just in the, just in the nick of time, you could say. Hey, Jesus is never late. He was there right when they needed him. You say, Jesus wasn't there the whole time, but he never really left. Jesus loves us enough to put up with us all the time. Now, those of us that are married, we understand that sometimes you just need to walk away for a moment. Anybody ever had those days? Probably none of you. I have, I'll be honest. My wife gets tired of me. She has to walk away. She's like, all right, you stay there. I'm going to go hide in the room for a minute. Let me breathe. Leave me alone. I need, I need a break from you. Sometimes I need a break from me, so I know what, I know what she means. Um, but we all have those moments. Hey, the best part is Jesus never leaves us. He doesn't ever need a break from us. Sure, there are times we disappoint him. Yeah, there, there are portions of life where we go and live in sin, and, and obviously that's going to have an impact on our relationship with him. But the problem is never with him. He never leaves. It's us who leave him. See, we see that Jesus' devotion or God's devotion, the devotion of our deity to us, of God to us, is that Jesus caught it. Think, think back to where we were in Matthew 14. Hey, Jesus said, or Peter's walking on water. He says, Lord, save me. And what does it say? It says, and Jesus immediately, immediately, or straightway. Hey, he reaches out his hand, he catches him. It says, and Jesus caught him. God's not going to send me to the mission field and say, all right, good luck, have fun. You can do it. No, whenever I need help, I can turn to him. He's with me. He will never leave. He will never forsake me. But then we see even more importantly, I think, than him catching Peter, is it says as soon as they were entered into the boat, the wind ceased. Everything stopped. Hey, not only was he big enough for Peter to catch him, he proved to everybody else around, okay, all the disciples and those that were traveling with him, I think there were other people, and I'll explain why in a moment, but I think there were other people with them 
And Jesus proved that he was not just big enough for Peter, but he was big enough for all of them. To say, sure, you watched me catch Peter, I'll do more. I'll stop the whole storm. You know what's interesting about this? This portion is he never said a word. All he did was show up and it stopped. He set everything straight again. And he can do that for us. Hey, even in the midst of a storm, even when we're in a trial or a famine, and I know once again I'm referencing what Brother Barnes said yesterday, but it, was, it just fits so well that whenever we're in one of those colon times where there's a pause, there's a break, there's a portion of life where we may not see where everything's going, hey, Jesus can set it all still again. He can fix the problem. And the reason I think that there were other people with them is because it says those that were in the boat said, surely this man is the son of God. Hey, I think the disciples already understood that. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have followed him. But it became real again. Anybody in here, if you've ever seen a miracle in your life, it reminds you of who God actually is. It's more than... Yeah, he's the God of miracles for somebody else. He's the God of miracles to me. He is the Lord God. Hey, he did bring us out of Egypt. He did do that miracle. But I just wanted to leave with this one last thought that, you know, I was thinking about your church theme of being ready. You know, even as your church theme this year is about being ready, let's be ready for God to use us for the impossible. Let God use you for the impossible and be ready for it. Because if we're not anticipating, God won't ever work. But just to recap, we talked about achieving the impossible tonight, and sometimes that involves a dangerous detour. And many times it involves us as doubting disciples. But we can never forget the deity's devotion to each and every one of us. Not only personally, like, like in Peter's case where Jesus rescued him, but for all of us as children of God and as a whole. That God loves each and every one of us and he's devoted himself to all of us. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Back to you.